We have been uh, working through John chapter 15, and uh, last week we looked at verses 7 and 8, uh, we're sticking with those verses this week as we're uh, continuing uh, to talk about prayer. Uh, the text is this, this is Jesus speaking to His disciples as He was traveling from the upper room towards the Garden of Gethsemane. This is, He's just got a couple hours left before He is arrested and then later crucified. And he says this to his disciples. He says this to, to you and I. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And we're going to look at this, this promise in here where he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, which is an incredible little statement if you think about it. Uh, and, and Jesus is not really kidding when he says this because um, all you have to go down, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, maybe he, you might say he was, you know, fibbing a little bit, but he says this again. Uh, so we know he's not fibbing on this. Uh, he, he's not just pulling our leg. Just a few verses later, he says this. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. He, he says it once, and then a few verses later, he says it again. But not only that, the, the chapter before this, he says something very similar in chapter 14. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing which was healing people and doing all kinds of incredible miracles. And he says this, and they will do even greater things than these, talking about his followers, because I am going to the Father. And he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, he says twice in John chapter 15, he says once in John chapter 14, and then if you go ahead to John chapter 16, uh, again, he mentions this. Very truly I tell you, which is mean, pay attention, this is really important, I mean this. If we didn't get it three times already, this is the, the fourth time. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive. So just in chapter 14, 15, and 16, if we just pull out all of these little words here, he says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I will do whatever you ask. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Ask and you will receive. And and Jesus says all this, hopefully, to be an encouragement to us. Uh, I mean, imagine if a, a billionaire came up to you and said, hey, ask me for anything. I'm rich. I can get it for you. I mean, we'd be pretty stoked about that. Uh, uh, but here is Jesus uh, saying all of these things, knowing that the Father in heaven who, who owns the universe, uh, who, who can do mighty things and huge things, he is saying to us, ask uh, whatever you wish, ask and you will receive. And, and these are incredible, incredible promises that should encourage us to be people of prayer and, and to be asking. 
But we all know at this moment what else is going on in our heads right now. Maybe some frustration, maybe a little bit of discouragement, maybe like what in the world is going on because I've asked for things and it didn't appear and I've asked things I wish and it didn't happen. There's also frustration around this, in, around this text. I mean, we see this idea in the Psalms. We see on one hand, the psalmist saying, ah, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. And, and, and hopefully all of us know this. There are times when we pray for things and they happen. I mean, we've seen people healed in this, in this church and we've seen things that look impossible turned around and, and, and there are answers to prayer. Yet at the same time, there are times when we ask and there's just like, what in the world is going on? Because I am seeing nothing. And we see that in the Psalms as well. Psalm 4, just the next Psalm. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue your lies? And, and here the psalmist is just saying, God, I'm praying to you, and I'm not seeing an answer. And we all know the, the both sides of the, this coin. I mean, where we get an answer to prayer here, and then over here we, we don't get an answer. I mean, and sometimes it kind of seems to be silly things, like when you're praying for a parking spot, and, and it's crowded, and you pull around, and someone's pulling out, you're like, thank you, Jesus. And then there are times when you're praying for someone who is dying of cancer, and you're praying for them, and, and there doesn't seem to be an answer, and you're like, you know, what's the deal here? You know, I've seen answers to prayer, and yet I've seen painful moments. I remember uh, my mom, who was dying of ALS, praying over here for healing, and, and th nothing happened, and she died. I mean, we know the, the both ends of this coin, and so we go back to all of these words, and we're like, oh, what's the deal? Uh, maybe John had it wrong, <laughs> because all of these are found in John. Uh, but we see the same teaching from Jesus in other gospels. We see in Matthew 18, if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Or Matthew 21, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Or Mark 11, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And so this was not something just in John's gospel, but it's actually in all the gospels. But Jesus saying things like ask and you will receive, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Uh, these, these incredible words. Um, and we see in Luke, again, uh, Jesus says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and, uh, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So there's promise after promise after promise after promise in the scriptures around praying and asking and, and receiving. And so, of course, we need to talk about what's the deal, right? <laughs> you know, how can Jesus say these things, and yet there are times when we're asking for things that really seem legit, uh, seem like things that are like on God's heart, and, you know, why, why don't they manifest when Jesus said, you know, ask for anything, and, and, it'll, and it'll be. Well, I want to talk for a moment, and then we'll get back to this, about conditional and unconditional promises. Uh, there are two kinds of promises in the scripture, conditional and then unconditional an unconditional promise is a promise that has no ifs attached. And so uh, we might say to our, our kids, hey, I promise I'm going to take you to the movies tonight. 
There's no if attached. The promise is you're coming to the movie. We're, we're going. There's no ifs. It doesn't matter what they do. It's just you're going to the movie. That's an unconditional promise. And then there are what you call conditional promises in the Bible where there, there's an if attached. And we use this in this world as well. We might say to our kids, if you clean your rooms and you know, shovel the driveway, I'll take you to the movie tonight. So the promise is contingent on cleaning the room and shoveling the driveway for that promise to be revealed. And, and throughout the scriptures, we will see both kinds of, of promises. And so, I, I mean, there's lots of unconditional promises, but here's some. Like in Hebrews 13, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The God is, he's present everywhere, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, if it's good or bad or ugly, God is there. He, he will not forsake you because he is present. He is a present God. Or Acts 10, God shows no favoritism. God doesn't have a favorite people, a favorite race, a favorite, you know, group, whatever. Uh, God doesn't show favoritism because he is perfect love, and he, he perfectly loves every single person on this, on this planet. Or Matthew 11 is a promise for my yoke, Jesus says, is easy and my burden is light. That connection with him, that what flows from him is easy and is light and is good because he is God and life flows from him. Or Romans 8, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And it goes on to say, this can't and this can't and this can't and this can't because it's an unconditional promise that God, he loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've been involved with this week or what you're struggling with. There is a love shining from heaven, and it has your name on it, and you can't stop it. It's an unconditional promise. And then we can go look at promises that, that have conditions, ifs attached to it. Well, like 1 John uh, 1.9, there's an if right at the beginning. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so it's a condition on if we confess, if we open up our heart to God and, and say, God, forgive me, then the promise begins to flow. And if, if there's guilt or shame that you're struggling with because, you know, of stuff you've been messing around with, just, just confess to the Father. And again, he's love, he's safe, there's no fear in love and, and, and you will be forgiven. And God's love can rush and, and wipe clean, because that's a promise. That you, he will purify you from all unrighteousness if you confess your sin. Or Matthew 6 is a conditional promise. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's the requirement in our end. And then his end of the promise is, and all these things will be given you as well. Talking about, he's talking about anxiety and worry and struggle. And, and he just said, if you seek first the kingdom, that's our part, then we will experience less anxiety in this, in this life, is the promise. Or Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And so when our thoughts and our thinking are surrendered, uh, centered around God's thinking for our situation and, and the people around us, uh, there's this peace that begins to manifest in our life. But it's conditioned on our thinking being in, in the right spot. So um, frustration can happen when we think a conditional promise is unconditional. And uh, sometimes we can get very angry at God. You know, God, why aren't you doing this in my life? And sometimes that frustration is actually coming from a place of, uh, of thinking that a promise is unconditional when in reality it's conditional. I mean, an example might be, 
uh, let's say you're just like, man, I thought this Christian thing is like, I thought I was supposed to have peace. <laughs> I thought I was supposed to have life, you know, flowing in me. And I just, I have no peace. And I just not, not experiencing life. Like, what's, what's the deal? Well, we see a lot of the, 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 the promises in the Bible where life and peace flow into our being are actually conditioned on us doing a little bit of, of, of the role. For instance, in Romans 8, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And so if your mind is, is just constantly fixed on your problems and your struggles and, and how everybody else around you is disappointing you and how everybody's, everything around you is just messy and looking for faults in every single situation, you're probably not going to experience life and peace because your mind is set on the flesh and, and it, it produces this death in us where we're robbed of life and peace. But the mind governed by the spirit where you're always asking, Father, what are you, what are you thinking about that person? God, what's on your heart about this situation? God, I want, I want to think on the things of the Spirit. I want your mind to be in me. And when you're constantly pulling, pulling the mind of heaven into your being, there's this life and peace that begins to flow. And so it's a conditional promise that what we are to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Or as Colossians says, set your minds on things above. Or Philippians 4 says the same thing. This is our part. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then, and here's God's part, the God of peace will be with you. So these conditional promises. And so if we think that, you know, a, a conditional promise is somehow unconditional, we will tend to get very frustrated with God and say, you know, where in the world is this life and peace? But at the same time, maybe your mind is just fixed, fixed in all this junk. And God is saying, oh, let's work on your thinking. Get your thinking right, and you're going to experience more of heaven at work in terms of life and peace. And so this is the same idea when it comes to prayer. So we can look at all these things, you know, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And I will do whatever you ask, and, and ask, and you will receive. And we can think about this and say, well, those seem like unconditional promises. But the reality is we know that there's something going on more than that. Because right now, I could stand here and say, you know, I wish, Lord, whatever, whatever you wish, it's going to be done. I wish that we all had a large pepperoni pizza in our hand. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I get all the leftovers. I mean, uh, you know, ask whatever you receive. And we could get, say, God, what's the deal? I just ask. I mean, you say, ask and you will receive. Ask whatever you wish. I just did that. And, it's, and we get, God, you, you must be lying in the Bible or something. Again, uh, we can get this confused because what we're going to see is all of these are actually surrounded by it's conditional promises. There's often something attached to these promises. And so I just want to spend a bit of time looking at them because the more we can meet the conditions, the more answered prayer we're going to see. So if we understand the conditions, the, the more we will see uh, what he's talking about. And so right away we see... That effective prayer flows from knowing and living out of God's heart. So in our very text today, we immediately see an if. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, and then here's God's part, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And so right away we see this promise is, 
is, is Jesus saying, if you remain in me and my words remain in me, the more you are connected to me, the more answered prayer you're going to see. And this is the flow of the whole text, if you've been with us the last couple weeks. Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so it's all about connection. The more we are connected, the more we're abiding, the more we are aware of his presence, the more we're feeding off the life that flows from God, the more fruit we're going to bear and the more answered prayer we're going to see. Similarly, we see the same promise in John 14, this conditional promise about but understanding the Father's heart. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may, be, uh, may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. But notice, it's connected to the Father's glory, or connected to in the name, or the, the atmosphere, the smell of Jesus. It's something that's honoring. It's something that, that puts a smile on God's face. And so the more you know the Father's heart, the more your prayers all of a sudden become in line with the Father's heart, and all of a sudden these, these, these promises become more of a reality. But a lot of times we can subtly, if we're not listening to God, and we're not saying, God, what, what are you saying about the situation? God, what are you thinking about that person? Because I'm really ticked at them, but God, what's on your heart for that person? The more you understand his heart, the more you're going to see answered prayer. Because, I mean, James talks about the opposite. He says, when you ask, well, you should just get it because that's what Jesus said. No, he says, when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you, you pleasure. And so sometimes we, we're actually praying for the wrong motives or we're praying when we think we know what God's heart and God is actually saying, actually, my heart's over here. So again, just connect, connect, connect with the Father. And the more you connect, the more you understand His heart, the more you're asking for His heart, the more answered prayer you're going to see. And this is exactly what 1 John chapter 5 says. We are confident that He hears us Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him or anything that lines up with his heart. And since we know he, he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what he asks for. So again, here we see, again, the promise is tied to whatever pleases him. It's tied to his heart. And if you don't get anything else in this message, fall asleep starting now. Well, not yet, because I can tell you this. <laughs> it's about connection. So just connecting and living from the life that is flowing. It, it's an unstoppable river. There's more than you ever need of life flowing from the vine. But connect, understand his heart, and you're just going to see more and more answered prayer in your life. We also see some of these promises of asking you will receive tied to the condition of faith. For instance, in Matthew 21, truly I tell you, if you have faith, so here's the if, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, and Jesus just made a fig tree wilt, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So there's our statement, whatever you ask for in prayer, but there's a condition if you believe. You have faith. Or Mark 11 Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And so, Jesus clearly connecting this to praying with, with, with actual faith, which means we need to get away from just simply religious prayers. 
You know, sometimes we're just like, you know, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done. It's lunchtime, you know. I mean, that's the, you're not going to see results. <laughs> you know, sometimes God is just, he just does things anyways, and we can pray with no faith, and, and God shows up. I mean, there are lots of stories of people praying with no faith, uh, and things happen. But I tell you, if you want to see more answered prayer, then you need to learn to pray with faith. In fact, Jesus often connected answered prayer with someone's faith. Like in, in Matthew 9, Jesus turned and saw her and, and take heart, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Or Matthew 9, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Or Mark 5, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So, for, so if we trust Jesus, we see Jesus clearly connecting our faith to answered prayer. Now, we know where our faith comes from. Faith comes from, it's a gift. It's often talked about a gift. The faith comes from hearing the word or a gift from God. And again, it just goes back to connecting. The more you understand the Father's heart, the more faith you will have. Because if you know what the Father's heart is about a situation, you're like, if God's heart is really in this, then you know you're going to be praying according to his will, and it gives you faith because you know, God's got my back. But if you're not connecting with God, and you're just kind of doing your own thing, and you're not asking him what you're thinking, it's hard to pray with faith because you're like, I don't even know what God's will in this situation is, and it's hard to pray when you're not really sure what God's will is in a situation. So again, it connects back to having faith, and so pray with faith. Now, I do want to point out that sometimes in, in church history, this has been abused, uh, where, you know, someone is sick and, and, and they're not healed. Someone, you know, with a nasty heart will go up to them and say, you know, if you just had faith, you would be better. And the reason you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. Well, faith can be a factor, but, but often we also see the other side of the coin in the Bible is that when there's a sick person and, and, th and they're being prayed for, a lot of times it's actually dependent on the person who's praying. And so uh, sometimes I don't know why some people criticize the other person for lack of faith. Actually, you should throw it back because sometimes it has to do with the person praying. In fact, we see this in, in James chapter 5. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church because elders typically, hopefully, are people who are filled with faith and know the Father's heart. But churches are also filled with people on our prayer team and other people who are elder-like in this church who are filled with faith and hope. And, and those are the kind of people you want to be praying for. Having, having prayed for you, you should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And notice the prayer is coming from the person praying. It's not the sick person. It's the person praying. And so this is just another factor. And so if you're doing the praying, uh, try to work up faith and connection. Again, Ask the Father, what are you doing in this situation? How do you want me to pray? And so you can actually pray with, with faith because faith makes a difference. It's part of the condition of answered prayer. Uh, we also see that um, effective prayer is persistent. And here's how we know that there's a little bit more going on to the story than just these simple lines. Again, these simple lines, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Or asking, it shall be yours. It seems like if you isolate those, these little promises out of everything, it seems like it should be instant. Like again, I should be able to just call down pizza from heaven and it should be here instantly. 
But at the same time, you look at other teachings of Jesus, like Luke 18, it says this, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He's teaching them that sometimes you've got to pray again and again and again and again and again and again and again past the point where you want to give up. This is not working. I don't know what's happening. I've been praying for a month. I've been praying for a week. I've been praying for a year. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't give up. So effective prayer at times requires a persistent prayer to keep on praying, to keep on praying, to keep on, because we never know what's going on. I mean, this world is, is far more complicated than we think. I mean, with, with spiritual beings and the fallenness and the nature of man and free will and God's power, I mean, it, it's very complicated. We can't understand how all the workings, but we do know that when we pray, something can shift, but we know that sometimes as God collects our prayers uh, like in bowls in heaven, that there eventually that bowl tips and, and something is released. But every one of those prayer counts. Uh, effective prayer is persistent. And there may be some in this room who have given up. You've been praying for somebody. You've been praying for a situation. You've been praying for a health condition. And, and, and you've got to the point where that just, I just don't think it's working and you've given up. Jesus said to pray and not give up. The only reason you should ever stop praying for something is if you hear clearly from the Father saying to you, don't pray for that. But if you haven't heard that, you just keep praying. You just keep praying because you never know what God is working out in, in, in this complicated universe. And so effective prayer is persistent. Just keep on praying. Keep on praying. So we, we know that this is also at times a condition to answered prayer is this idea of persistence. In fact, Luke 11, Jesus says, I, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Do you know most theologians will, will note that these verbs in this passage are actually not like asking you or she, but they're keep on asking. In fact, some translations actually translate this verse that way. I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So clearly Jesus at times is teaching that sometimes your prayers need to be persistent. And I've heard stories of people praying for 20 years or 30 years, and finally that breakthrough happens. And, and sometimes it can be, there are times when you pray for someone once, and there's an amazing miracle, and there's sometimes it takes years or weeks. But, but we just keep on praying, keep on going back to the Father's heart and allowing our prayers to flow, to flow out of that. We also see in the, in, in the context of, of, of these, these words of Jesus that, Effective prayer needs agreement at some times. So if two of you, so here's our if, okay, here's our if. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, and here's Jesus' promise again, ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So just asking and you will receive is conditioned sometimes on agreement. Having other people pray. If two or three of you agree with anything, uh, it will be given. And so there are times when you need to have other people pray for your situation. Uh, there just seems to be power when, there, when there's more people praying. And Paul understood this. In, in Colossians 4, Paul says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 
Now, if Paul simply isolated this verse, ask whatever you wish, it'll be given, ask and you will receive, if he just isolated that, why would he ask for prayer? Because he could just pray. Why couldn't Paul just pray that the, the mystery would be unlocked and he could proclaim it clearly? No, he understood that his prayers were powerful, but he understood that more prayers are even more powerful. That's why he's asking for prayer. And there are times when you are praying for something, and if you don't see a breakthrough when you're praying, get other people in agreement. It's why we have this amazing prayer team over there, and they, they hold stuff in, in, in confidentially if you, if you have to say something to them. But there are times when you, if you're not seeing a breakthrough, then you've got to be like Paul. <laughs> Paul seen, there's lots of breakthroughs that Paul had just praying on his own, but there are times when he said, I need to have other people praying into this. And, and so he's asking others to pray. And so to go to the, the prayer corner, just talk to someone here, call up a friend and say, can you be praying for this? This is one of the reasons I have put together a, a pastor's prayer partner group to help me be praying for things in this church because sometimes this is conditioned on two or three gathering together. And we know this, that uh, people, historians, theologians who settle revival, that the, basically the conclusion is that every single revival, every time the, the heavens seem to be open and God steps down in these amazing ways where lots of people are healed and transformed, it always seems to be founded in a group of people praying. And this is what he promises. If, if two or three agree, they're just more uh, likely to be an answer to prayer. We also see effective prayer flows when you are walking in love. Again, this condition of, of walking in love. John 15, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And the very next verse is, this is my command, or this is the fruit I'm looking for. Love each other. The whole context of John 14, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is in the context of love. When Jesus is talking about, you know, when you connect to the vine, you're going to bear fruit. It's in the context of bearing love. And so the kind of fruit God wants to see is a fruit of love. And it's connected here to this promise of prayer. And we see this in other places. I tell you, and so here, here's this isolated verse. You can pray for anything or whatever you wish, like he says in John 15. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But, so we see an if and a but here. There's like two conditions. If you have enough faith, and then there's a but here. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. Because there's a condition of us walking in the Father's love and having a love for other people conditioned on answered prayer. And so, I mean, if you're praying for something and you're just like, you know, God, would you just give me blessing? I just want blessing in my finances. And God, there's that guy, that guy I work with. Would you just get him and beat him up? And you, know? <laughs> and you know what? It's actually okay to pray those kind of prayers because you see them in the Psalms. I mean, if you ever want to see the height and the depth of human emotion in this broken world, you just read through the Psalms. I mean, there's... there's uh, uh, psalmists who are praying, God, would you break their teeth and, you know, would you destroy their, my enemies? And, and you, know, you know, God's not going to answer that because you remember John, J James and John who come up to Jesus, they say, hey, Jesus, can we call down fire from heaven? And Jesus rebukes them because Jesus came to give life, not take life. But, but God understands that we sometimes have to get emotions off our chest. 
And so, you know, God, I'm just so angry at them, or just, you know, whatever it might be. We, we see that in the psalm, but God's probably not going to act on that, right? Because you're not acting in love. But we do see that the more we're acting in love, the more answer we're going to seek. We see this in 1 Peter 3 in the context of marriage, but it could be in the context of any relationship. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, uh, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so, and here's the if, your prayers will not be hindered. You're not living in honor in your marriage. Uh, you're trying to control, manipulate, power trip, whatever it might be. There is something that's going to hinder answer to prayer. And so this whole idea of ask and you receive, one of the conditions is that you are walking the way Christ walked. You are walking in love and forgiveness towards other people. And so just continually, if you're, if you're frustrated with some, uh, somebody, uh, just, just allow God to work through that, and, and he will. Now, as we close here, I just want to uh, touch on Jesus and effective prayer. Because he's our example of effective prayer. When Jesus prayed, things happened. When I pray, eh, sometimes things happen. A lot of times they don't happen. You know? There's a gap between Jesus and his prayer life and my prayer life and, and others. I mean, I mean, we read this text like in John 15 or Matthew 15. A vast crowd, like not like a small crowd or a puny crowd, a, a, like a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. It isn't Jesus ever, there's not one recorded story of Jesus praying for someone who's like, oh, it didn't work, and you know, well, there's once he prayed twice, but, but it always worked. His, his prayers were uh, completely successful in every way. Just, every prayer of his w- was answered. But we see that Jesus was the, the model of a perfect human walked perfectly in love. He had perfect faith. We see that Jesus connected with the Father perfectly. He understood the Father's heart perfectly in every situation. Like he says, I always do what pleases him, or whatever I say is just what the Father... He was in perfect connection with the Father. He met all the conditions. And so this promise of ask and you receive was actually a reality in Jesus' life. And to me, this is encouraging. Because when I pray for somebody... You know, if I'm praying for someone who is, who is sick and broken and, and they're not healed, I do know that if Jesus was there and he came up and prayed for them, that he would be healed. But it's just, it's just a reminder that, you know, I'm not there yet. I still got to grow in faith and I still got to grow in love and, and it keeps me humble, but it keeps me excited about, man, the more I connect to Jesus, the more his life flows in me, the more I'm going to become like Jesus and the more answers to prayer I can see. I mean, this whole thing is to be encouraging, not discouraging. Ask and you will receive. The more you're connected, the more answer to prayer. Jesus being our example of the one who could just pray and things happen because he just perfectly filled all those, those conditions. And the Bible's calling us to be Christ-like. He's working out our situation so that we might become more Christ-like. So this all, all goes back to this text. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I knew, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So Father, our ultimate prayer is that you would help us just abide in you more deeply. 
God, we want to drink from your fountain. We want to eat from uh, the bread that you give. We want a sustenance to come from you. God, as the branches, we just want to absorb the sap that you offer into our being. God, would your life flow us in, in, in more and incredible ways. And God, I pray you would continue to teach us how to pray. You would teach us, God, to be people who are constantly setting our mind on things above. They're constantly asking, Father, what's your heart in this situation? God, what's your heart for this person? God, what are you thinking about this situation? That our hearts would continually become more and more aligned with your heart. We thank you that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.